don't beat yourself up for not knowing what you want to do. Like it's, it's totally natural and normal. It's part of the process to not know what you want to do. And so that's one thing I really want people to take away. If you feel like you're not on a path because you're jumping all around the place, that's, that's, you are on the path. That just happens to be the shape of your path. Uh, you'll have other people who are really straight at the start. They might go into banking, boom, 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 all the way up. And then they zigzag towards the end when they're married and they go a bit wobbly. So absolutely best to get the zigzagging out of the way. It's much healthier that way. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast where it's my job, my duty to interview people from all walks of life who are following their passion and doing what they love. I think that it's extremely important to find the work that you love to do and are truly passionate about and to do that as much as you possibly can, eventually making it a career. This podcast is a tool. It's a tool to help other people find their own passion in life and how to actually begin pursuing it. I was recently reading this book called The War of Art, written by Stephen Pressfield. And he was discussing the importance of finding the work that you love to do. So I'll just read a few passages that really stuck from the book, and it really explains the essence of what this podcast aims to do. So here are the few passages. We come into this world with a specific personal destiny. We have a job to do, a calling to enact, a self to become. We are who we are from the cradle, and we're stuck with it. Our job in this lifetime is not to shape ourselves into some ideal we imagine we ought to be, but to find out who we already are and become it. If we were born to paint, it's our job to become a painter. If we were born to raise and nurture children, it's our job to become a mother. If we were born to overthrow the order of ignorance and injustice of the world, it's our job to realize it and get down to business. If you were meant to cure cancer, or write a symphony, or crack cold fusion, and you don't do it, you not only hurt yourself, even destroy yourself, you hurt your children, you hurt me, you hurt the planet. Well, I think the goal of this podcast is to do exactly that, is to expose yourself to various careers, ideas, passions that exist in the world, and maybe, just maybe, something resonates with you, and is something that you want to try. In the end, You have to do these things. You have to try it. You have to take action. Otherwise, you will never know. And this week, we're joined by Mark Maxwell, who is the founder of GradLife. GradLife is helping recent graduates and people in their 20s find their ideal career. The name GradLife comes from the belief that the start of one's career should be among the best, most educational and adventurous years of a person's life. Mark is on a mission to help people launch their career leaning against the right wall. But how did all of this actually begin? I think Mark has an incredible story and it's really, really fascinating. And he'll dive into it at the start of the podcast. But I'll just provide a quick glimpse now. So he was initially pursuing a path of becoming a professional rugby player. But at the age of 18, he actually died and was clinically dead for about 20 minutes. As a result, it has completely shifted his outlook on life, and he will share the lessons he learned throughout the podcast. And you can find more about Mark and what he's up to by visiting the website mrgradlife.com. So that is mrgradlife.com. You can follow him on social media by searching Gradlife. Um, He also has a podcast, which is called the Gradlife Podcast. And he wrote a book, and the book's name is Debt, My Guidance Counselor. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And without further ado, here's Mark Maxwell. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So I guess we can go into many different directions, but I guess the good way to start off this interview is perhaps you could tell your story because I think you have an incredible story. And yeah, could you just share that with the listeners? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Mark Maxwell, and uh, I kind of have uh, two jobs. I, I run a company called Grad Life, where we 
it, it's, it's linked to career guidance, I guess, where we would help young people between the age of maybe 18 and 30 figure out what they want to do and then get on, uh, get into a job that, that will suit both their values and their, their uh, capabilities and interests as well. That was born out of basically career guidance being crap and people not having a clue what they wanted to do. Um, so that's one. And then secondly, I work for a company called Fivetran, which is a, a, a kind of tech company that, that's growing pretty fast internationally. And I run the London office for them. So that's good fun as well. Uh, I'm 28 years old and I guess my uh, story becomes interesting at probably age uh, 18. So up until the age of 18, all I wanted to do with my life was be a professional athlete, to be a rugby player. And I used to train like crazy for it. And I was in a school that had this exchange program with another school in Australia. And I figured that a really good thing to do would be to take advantage of that exchange program, go down to Australia um, and basically train like crazy and, and try to become professional. So I did that. I went down and uh, I trained for seven hours every single day uh, on a pretty insane training regimen. And um, I'll spare you the detail, but basically I was training way more than anyone uh, ever should and way more than uh, most professional athletes, if any professional athletes probably do. Uh, I just completely overdoing it basically. Uh, so seven hours a day total, and to the extent that uh, if I wasn't going out in the, in the at night, I'd wake up at two in the morning, set an alarm, uh, wake up and do core and push-ups and that sort of thing, and go back to sleep half an hour later. So it was pretty crazy. So did that regime for uh, about seven months. And then one day while I was traveling New Zealand with my friends, I uh, fell asleep on the back of a bus and actually ended up going into cardiac arrest. So my friends noticed this because... I uh, was I was lying there normally like asleep and then I my whole face went completely blue and they were like geez something's actually really wrong and they thought I was snoring really weirdly really loudly as well and they thought I was just joking so they started like throwing stuff at me to wake me up and things were like bouncing off my head but not waking me up so at that point they realized something was really wrong so they went back and they 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 stopped the bus they picked me up carried me off and gave me CPR and thankfully there was a nurse on the bus as well so she was able to give me like professional proper CPR uh, while the ambulance came out. An ambulance came out, they gave me six shocks of an external defibrillator and uh, that still didn't really work. They put me into the ambulance, gave me six more shocks, uh, all but guaranteeing me brain damage when I, if, if I ever woke up. I probably had like a 2% chance of ever waking up and, and surviving it. And um, brought me back to the hospital and put me into a coma for a week. So up until day four, it really was hit or miss as to whether or not it was going to work out positively or not. And uh, thankfully, obviously, it did. And I woke up two days later and uh, I wouldn't say everything was okay. I didn't actually have a short-term memory for about two months. So if you asked me in the uh, evening what I did that day, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And if you asked me in the morning what I'd done the day before, I wouldn't be able to tell you either. So that my short-term memory is basically just shot. And I... Uh, to recover from it again I was doing all the training and loads of like weights before so I kind of thought about it like an athlete if I wanted to build up my arms I could do curls do my legs I could do squats if I wanted to do a short-term memory I could do uh, learn a language and that's like resistance training for your brain now it turns out that's actually like a proven concept I had no idea so I started learning Spanish and uh, started doing Spanish like three hours every day and that sort of thing and uh, really putting a lot of effort into it and kept it up over the years and ended up becoming fluent in Spanish, which was really cool. So that was really handy. And it also recovered me then, most importantly, from uh, the short-term memory loss. So recovered from that and, uh, like, to be honest, it was like probably a five-year journey getting back to full physical, emotional, psychological uh, recovery from the whole thing. And obviously, uh, when something like that happens to you at age 18, the idea of thinking about life and death at that so at such an early age, it's pretty strange. Uh, but it was something I was really forced to do. So it actually ended up really serving me. And um, when I finished, I, I finished the year down in Australia, then came back and did commerce in UCD. Uh, and as soon as I finished that, I went down and worked in an investment bank for two years in Sydney, then moved to Google Sydney for two years, and then came back and started grad life. And a few months later, like decided to do grad life in the evenings and have uh, five times during the day. So that's pretty much a, a fast version of what's brought me up to this point now. 
Yeah, I mean, the first time I heard a story, you were speaking at the IGN event, and I was just amazed. I was like, wow, I can't, and like, it's, it's truly incredible, and like, everything you're doing now is just inspirational. But how did Grad Life actually come to be? I know you started Grad Life after all that happened, but um, like, what was the initial spark? Why did you decide to, okay, I want to I wanna be a guidance counselor, I want to like, work in that kind of field? Yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. So um, when I was in college, when I was in commerce, like I don't know how many listeners will be in, in commerce, but like it's largely kind of presentations. Like you're, you're doing a lot of uh, maybe a couple of essays and, and all that sort of stuff, but probably half your marks or more are going through presentations. And I was very lucky. I was the, probably the best skill I had. I only had two things going for me. One is I was good at presenting. And two is I was good at uh, picking people who were good at doing the other stuff. And so I wasn't very, like, all that smart, but I would have good teams. And there'd be people who would give me A-grade work, and then I would go and do a good presentation on it. If it was my work, it would have been, like, C-grade. But I managed to get A-grade work and present it and therefore get good grades in commerce. And so I always thought of myself as, like, oh, I'm someone who can do well in, in business. And then I got a job in an investment bank, which is really prestigious. It was really good money, really good, really good everything. It was, like, my dream job. And I was absolutely crap at it because it was a job that was focused on Excel and all of the stuff that I had been avoiding in all my commerce projects and getting other people to do. So I really wasn't playing to my strengths at all. And I just felt, to be honest, I felt stupid all the time. I felt like I was bad at my job, like I knew I was. Um, I lost pretty much all my confidence. Uh, I'd gone from being incredibly confident in college to having no confidence as a grad. Um, and I kind of thought, I knew so little about the business world, I actually kind of thought that I had no business career ahead of me because I was so bad at the data analytics and all that sort of thing. Um, when people talk about the stuff I've been through, obviously the heart is the thing that uh, stands out the most. But actually that time in the investment bank was much harder because there was kind of no excuse for it. Uh, at least the heart, I don't know, it was... It was uh, a, there was a lot of sympathy around it or a lot of empathy and people kind of gave you a break because I wasn't training or whatever the case may be and um, I was able to recover from it. But uh, really just having a knock to your confidence was, was much, much harder. And I guess there was two pains. One was, why was I there in the first place? How had nobody said to me, you won't be good at that, you'll be really good at that, you should go and do that. Uh, and why... What, like how did I end up in a position where I just had no confidence and, and felt so bad about myself and I knew that both of those pains were widespread most people didn't have great guidance and uh, a lot of people were in places they shouldn't be career-wise at the start and so I just thought well hang on like if, if there's two widespread pains here that I've really felt quite badly I'm going to go and help uh, prevent people from ending up in that same position. And that was probably where the passion, like a deep burning passion came uh, came from to, to get grad life going. Mm. And, you know, when you work with all these uh, people now with recent grads, whatever, like what kind of tools do you use? Like how do you, how do you guide them, you know, to find their passion or how do you find them to, you know, find a career, whatever? Because I think you have the impact model. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. So how do you guide people? Yes. Um, yeah, so I guess like I'll zoom in on the impact model in a second, but the 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 kind of main thing is like most people when they go to guidance counselors, they go and do tests. And I know a guy, um, Dan, who's an incredible business person, and entrepreneur, really charismatic, all that sort of stuff. And um, when he did the, the that test, he was told he should be a zookeeper. He had no interest in animals, no interest in any of this sort of stuff. And like, that's the ultimate story for basically saying those tests are crap. And what they kind of do is they, they just give you a conclusion and they don't teach you anything about how they arrive at that conclusion. You know, the way into leaving certain maths, uh, you get, if you get the answer wrong, but you do the formula correct, you'll still get like nine marks out of 10. I kind of subscribe by that model. And so... If you, the way traditional career guidance uh, works is they just write down the answer. They don't show you any formula. Whereas what I do is I try to show you the formula. So even if we get the answer wrong and I send you into banking rather than consulting, at least we have walked through the strengths and weaknesses, the values, the interests, 
the plan for your 20s, all that sort of stuff. So that even if we do put you onto the wrong path, at least you know how we arrived there and why we, where we might have gone wrong. And we can send you on another close bypath, if that makes sense. Hmm. And so what I do is I, I, I put a few filters on it. I would uh, listen to the person a lot. So rather than just talk and say, you should go and be banking X, Y, Z, I will actually listen to them and say, right, what do you want out of this like impact model? What do you value? Is it intellectual stimulation? Is it money? Is it prestige? Is it purpose? Uh, is it autonomy, like not having a boss? Is it culture and community? Is it travel? Now, you can't have all of those things at once. For example, money and purpose often offset each other. You could have 10 out of 10 purpose in a charity, but no money. You could have 10 out of 10 money in a bank or a hedge fund, but no purpose. And so choose what matters to you. You can't have it all. Choose what matters to you and then think about, okay, well, there's going to be a certain amount of industries or companies that give you, say, 10 out of 10 money. And what are those uh, What are those industries and companies? Then what are your skill sets and interests? What do you want to be doing every day? And what jobs within those industries and companies can actually match that for you? Okay, now we've got a list of jobs. What do you need to get those jobs and how can we help you get those jobs? So it's much more formulaic. And it really does, like, again, that math problem, rather than just say you should be an analyst in a tech company, we do the whole formula, interests, values, strengths and weaknesses to show you how you arrived at that conclusion. Right. And then when you, when you, when we look at like uh, recent grads, people who graduate from college, um, what are the common mistakes that people make? Um, I think one is, I, to be honest, and it, I have it in the impact model and I made that model up, but I have it in there because it is valid. The idea of prestige People right. wanting, because like, it's fair enough. People want to say, I work at Goldman Sachs. That sounds pretty cool. It sounds like a baller, all that sort of stuff. But I work at Google, whatever. Um, but the problem with prestige is it's outward looking and not inward looking. And so uh, people will go to a place that's full of prestige and not think about what actually suits them and what will suit their internals rather than just their externals and their image, et cetera. That's one. And then number two is actually a big one for me, which is they'll default to looking at big companies. Uh, whereas small companies, you can A, make more money, B, have more responsibility, C, move up faster, and D, just have like a more kind of independent life or independent kind of uh, journey through it. And I always give the example, I have two friends, uh, one called Tom, one called Thomas, and they both worked at a consulting for, or accounting firms. One in a big one, uh, Thomas in a big one, and Tom in a small one. And after three years of working there, I remember Thomas, I was having a pint with both of them, and Thomas was saying he'd spent the week like filing, doing filing or something like that and making 30 grand a year, 35 grand a year, while Tom had spent a week talking to two pub owners about how to expand their empires and one pub owner about how to close down, like him and the pub owners face-to-face at a table at the age of whatever, 25. And he was making 70 grand a year. So he had done really well. So they were just like promotion, 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 promotion uh, every couple of months rather than waiting for it to be his time and waiting for the, the year on the dot of promotion uh, and paying him just the fixed year one, year two, year three rate. They were paying him what he deserved. They were giving him responsibility because he was doing well. And uh, he, was, he had a much cooler job and, and that sort of stuff because it was a small company. There was no rules stopping that. Uh, so I thought I always think small companies is a good thing to consider for sure. Yeah, and the thing with small companies, like you're gonna get no people there. You're gonna, you know, yeah, like you said, get more responsibility. You're gonna try different things, and then you're gonna figure out eventually what it is that you want to do, what it is that you truly want to do. And you know, um, what, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, what do you think uh, young people should focus on personally? Like for me, I'm just about to graduate college, but for me, like my biggest goal is just to find out what I'm like naturally good at, what I'm, what my natural strengths are, what I'm naturally curious about, and not give a shit about money, not give about prestige, like you said, and simply just find out wh- where where I'm truly meant to be, and then once I find it, I can go all in. But I'm curious to know, like, what's your perspective on what young people should do? as soon as they leave college? Like, what are the steps they should take? Yeah, so I would kind of, like, break this up into, like, I see life as having a couple of different chapters. Chapter Mm -hmm. one is uh, search. 
chapter two is build and chapter three is kind of like rest and teach and like give back type of thing. And I find like people are often in a rush from chapter one into chapter two, uh, myself included. So in the build chapter, chapter two, you've got like build a family, build a business, build earnings and wealth, uh, build a reputation as a really good business person or a really good whatever you're going to, whatever it is you're going to be doing. Um, all that sort of stuff, like build, 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 buy a house, whatever. Uh, chapter one is about search and explore. And so if you, if you kind of position them differently, you've got chapter two is like painting uh, a masterpiece. Like what are you going to do? What's your life work going to be? Uh, and chapter one is about finding the brush and finding the canvas. And is it going to be a pencil drawing? Is it going to be a sculpture? Is it going to be a painting drawing? Is it going to be impressionist or like all the different options that are available to you? Finding out which one suits you the best. Uh, and that, I mean, there's, there's such a range of things that that can be. That can be, is my life's work going to be in business and, and commercial? Or is it going to be in the social sector? And is it going to be in politics? Is it going to be in art? Like go and just find out everything about yourself. What is? What are your values? Like what is it that you want to do? Um, and the rain, it, it'll just sway so much. So the laughable but true um, story that I have is that I went from an investment bank caring primarily about money and prestige to realizing those things didn't actually mean that much to me. And then uh, for a while there, I wanted to be a priest. I wanted to be a Jesuit. And like it only lasted like two weeks, but I was literally open to it. I was like thinking, hang on, is this, should I go around the world like building schools? That would be class. That would be a really cool thing to do because that's what Jesuits in my eyes did. Um, and so you have to be open to whatever crosses your mind or whatever you think you might like. And I didn't go down the finance route in the end. I didn't go down the Jesuit route, the exact opposite way I probably ended up somewhere over here or maybe here where I, I do have a lot of social things going on at the same time um but just being open to whatever ideas come into your mind and I think it's unfortunate in Dublin maybe in particular I can speak to two worlds I can speak to Dublin or Sydney I can't really go beyond that uh but I, I think to be honest most worlds are similar no matter what city you're in there's a, a lot of cultural pressure to conform and to make sure you have a good job and you can tell people you have a good job and yada, 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 and making sure you're uh, ticking certain, certain boxes. Get outside of that. Get your head outside of that uh, warp for a while or, or that kind of bubble. Once you do, because that, that bubble will prevent things going into your head that actually belong there on a global level. And so if you can get out of that bubble, you'll start allowing those things to come into your head and really actually find where you should be. So I think that's a key thing. Tying this all back into your question, what should young people do? They should get out and search. So physically get out and search, maybe do a bit of travel, see where they like, see, meet different people from different paths and get outside that social bubble. But then within themselves, search as well and go and do your banking and realize your crap, your crap at attention to detail, crap with analysis and maybe numbers or whatever it is and that you, you really value a community-based culture in a company. There are four things I learned about myself in, in the bank straight away. And then I learned, hang on, I'm actually really good with the customers and uh, maybe whatever else, that was probably the main thing. And so they were some, there were five key things I learned about myself, like internally straight away uh, when I went into that place. And that really informed where I went with my career from there. So Basically, just get out. It's, I don't want to say this because it's a cliche, but get outside of a comfort zone or get outside of where you are. But with that in mind, so you can learn about how you react to certain things. And so you can uh, just kind of externally learn about what you like and what you don't like. Right. And, you know, when you when you say, you know, find out um, what it is that you like, what you don't like. But I, I, feel, I feel like that's very difficult to do. Once you're just, you know, in your in your normal job and so what like is there any techniques or tools that you used um in order to identify like what you value? Uh how did you even come up with the impact model? Like I'm sure you had to do some sort of thinking or asking questions. So I guess my real question is like what are the kind of things that helped you or help other people find out what they want to do? Is it like journaling, for example? Is it talking to people? Is it trying things for like a week, being spontaneous and stuff like that? So yeah, I guess, like, what are some ways to actually do that, to find out what you truly like to do? Yeah, very good question. 
journaling definitely helped. Um, I had been doing journaling for since I was 18 anyway, because I used it to get over the heart stuff because I didn't want to talk about it to people. Um, so I'd actually been doing a lot of journaling anyway, and that did help. I, I don't know what it is. I think, uh, I think people our age might want to get in touch with themselves or they like the idea of it, but then they don't actually really do it. Or there's some barrier there where they're not really making the effort to like, literally at the end of a day of work, sit back and think, what did I think of that day? Uh, I didn't like that meeting. Why didn't I? Like what went wrong in that meeting? Or what was it about working with a person like that that I don't like? Like were they too aggressive? Were they too soft and indirect? Or what? what, what whatever it might have been. Little, literally little things like that. Uh, like I, in Macquarie, in the bank, it was very easy for me because I was making mistakes and I was making the same mistakes and similar mistakes all over the place. And it was all based on a little attention to detail with a figure number, like the, the one million cell in the spreadsheet. Sorry, uh, the one million cell in the spreadsheet. I'd be getting it wrong. And I was like, well, there's, there's clearly a pattern emerging here. And I guess like looking out for patterns, looking out for... Um, things that both both get you going and things are just de-energizing and I, I don't know why it seems so easy but people should do more of that for sure and it's not hard and it's actually quite interesting to do it's not like boring work I know meditation can uh, be a barrier for a lot of people myself included but it's not like that it's, it's, it's really active you're really kind of looking back and thinking oh, I like that don't like that like her, don't like him. Like it could be that there's so much there. I uh, I use the analogy of like everyone has inside them like a little flame, like a little candle flame. Mm. And some things put the flame out and put it down and others just make it roar. And you want to identify the things that make it roar because if you do, you'll get, you're probably going to be good at those things and you're going to be so much more energized by, uh, by that sort of stuff as well. And like for me, working on Microsoft Excel or anything analytical like that just absolutely puts my fire out but then working on like a deal or working with a customer or working with a student or a young grad on on the grad life side absolutely gets me going like i might have a 12 hour day at five tran i might do seven to seven and then absolutely wrecked brain just fried and i'll have to go downstairs for a grad life appointment at seven to eight like meet a student talk about them for an hour and you'd think i'd be absolutely wrecked but I honestly am energized after that. Every single time I'm energized and I can go back up and do more uh, five China grad life work or whatever it might be. Like it's incredible to have something like that that actually actively energizes you rather than takes your energy away. Um, yeah, with the whole... That all makes sense, does it? It does, yeah. Um, like with the whole journaling thing as well, like I've been doing that since I was maybe like 16, 15, just constantly journaling on my thoughts. And eventually I kind of like, kind of like you I discover my own kind of model that I want to follow and like what I value in life and so on so I think the journaling technique really helps and meditation I think I, I think it's very useful because like when you sit down and meditate for like 10 to 20 minutes in the morning you go, you're going to like prepare yourself for the rest of the day so like once you sit down like you're gonna have you're gonna have these different thoughts running through your head oh I might do this I need to do this I'm stressed about this and so on but like if you calm yourself down just by following your breath eventually you can do this every like throughout your whole day so it's not, it's not like you're doing this for 10 minutes and you're finished you're doing meditation for the whole day which is really really cool about the whole meditation thing yeah and then when it comes to five tran and grad life like what, what's what's next for you what are you working on currently um i don't geez I, to be honest it, it all seems like it's moving at a, at a huge <laughs> pace so on the five tran side i moved over to london last year on my own to um to set up the office there so worked basically from home for six months and now we've got uh, eight people in that office so that's been really cool to uh, to get to move into management and lead a team and all that sort of stuff um, and hopefully that story just keeps going and hopefully we end up with like 100 people in that office and, and it, uh, it becomes a really big successful story so that that's definitely the future for me in Fivetran like I'm, I'm loving that it's, it's very very exciting and if people google Fivetran they've they're, they're doing really well like one of the fastest growing tech companies in the world, basically. Um, and then with grad life, five chan like is, is, uh, is pretty busy. Like it's always keeping me busy and it's like, it's really fast and dynamic and I'm fully into it. And I realized that 
it was actually stopping me from uh, from driving grad life to the point that I wanted grad life to be at. And over the last couple of years as I did grad life, there have been a couple of people who have really uh, added value to me, just advising me a lot. And thankfully, they've both now joined the team. So grad life is now a team of three. And what that's enabled me to allow me and grad life to do is for grad life's sake it has brought in some new ideas and great experience like one of them Havana used to run grad recruitment for Lidl in Ireland and and uh, after like she'd been running the program for a year and they ended up getting the best grad program in Ireland that year so she's like absolute weapon in terms of that stuff <laughs> and then Ollie is the other guy and, and he's an incredible uh he, he's like he I just I really like him and, and he's he's going to be brilliant for for grad life so um, having those guys is good for grad life, but also good because it gets me out of the way. Like if I'm too busy with Firetran, they can still keep going. The way I kind of look at it is when you've got a project or a company like that, it's like pushing a piano up the stairs. And if you're not pushing and you're on your own, the piano's falling back. And there was always happening with grad life like that because I was so inconsistent with it because I was so busy with Firetran. Whereas now with a team of three, if I can't push, if Anna will push, if she can't push, Ollie will push. And we're always just moving it forward every day. So um, I'm, they've only just joined like in the last couple of weeks. So I'm really excited about where that goes. And that's a really good, interesting experience for me as well, like uh, on, the, on the management side further. So uh, hopefully we can go grad life into a thing where you're going to have, it, it's basically like an online university where you can uh, do courses and different things like the self-awareness side, I'm absolutely huge on. How to get a job in, and, and do well in startup land, Ollie is huge on. And then how to get a job and do well in the big companies, Ivana is huge on. So we each complement each other in that way. And uh, we're going to get loads of other people in to do courses on things that they specialize in as well. So it's going to be a bit like masterclass, only with a focus on uh, graduates and students. So that's, that's really interesting. So like, I, I think you started off grad life with just your podcast, right? And now you're growing into this like, masterclass in a way. But um, So is that, the, is that the main ultimate goal behind it? I guess you can do a lot more to it, but... Um, like have these kind of like have a framework for for people who who are young and want to succeed but just don't know where to go and they can just hop onto grad life and away they go to they're figured out yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly it and then like there's loads of them um, like at the core we always just want people to avoid being in the position i was in with the bank mm. that's the core that'll always be the core and so these like one-to-ones is a great way of doing that podcast does that these uh this course and these webinars and seminars do that and then eventually we might end up moving into uh, graduate recruitment uh, driven by data and that sort of thing, uh, so long as it also sticks to that core mission and, and make sure people are going into the right place. Uh, so it would be cool to like build a tech company out of it one day, but we'll, it's one step at a time. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's such a good mission to have because like, when you think about it, like most people don't have a clue what they want to do. Um, and yeah. I think like just finding that out and not wasting your 20s is super well maybe you can waste your 20s to find out what it is that you want but then afterwards really go all in so i think the mission behind that is really really cool and you know if you could go back and have a chat to 20 year old mark what advice would you give what advice would you give to yourself um uh, i'll give a couple of uh unpopular ones one very (laughs) unpopular one is i stopped drinking uh i stopped it a bit over two years ago (laughs) it was two years this week and that was like that was 2018 and I stopped. 2017, I didn't do it for nine months. 2018, seven months. 2016, or 20, yeah, sorry, 15, five months. So um, every year I'd given it up for a while, but then I just gave it up cold turkey for two years. And I've definitely achieved more in the last two years than I did in any of those other years. And I gave it up for three months in 2013 and achieved a ton in those three months. So every time I give it up, I find myself achieving way more. Um. And just enjoying life probably a lot more as well. So I would definitely, like, at the, the risk of sounding ridiculous, I would advise it for uh, the college years. Like, it's good crack and that sort of thing. It gets it out of your system. And you better it's better off doing it then than when you're, like, 50 and have a family. <laughs> but um, as soon as you feel like you're done with it, most people still continue it just out of social habit. But I would, if you feel like you're done with it, just get it out of the way. And it really, you realize it very much was in the way most of the time. So that's one thing. Another thing is uh, I would, I remember I really wanted to start up a salad bar in UCD and I looked into it, 
but um, with all this regulatory kind of barriers and that sort of stuff. But I would have done something like that. There's no better time to start a project than in, in college. Um, I would encourage people, you just kind of touched on it there, the idea of wasting your 20s. Waste, say, I love how I met your mother. I love watching how I met your mother in the evening time with my girlfriend. It's really, really, it's just nice and relaxing and fun. Very unproductive. And I remember for a while there, 20-year-old Mark was just obsessed with productivity and everything had to be like, every half hour block had to be used, yada, yada, yada. And that's not productive at all because you just get exhausted and like the hours, the main hours aren't productive. And it's just like that. I think that's wasting your time. So like making sure that you have time to have fun set aside and it's not all about productivity and that sort of stuff. Uh, that's definitely like, I, I would, I wish he knew that basically. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I'd say that would be, that would largely be it. And also uh, t- realizing the time, uh, yeah, time is, equal no matter where in your life it is and what i mean by that is a lot of people will sacrifice a lot of the time in their 20s so that time is better in their 50s but time is time either way mm. and uh you have to kind of value it when you have it and you know like for me in particular you don't know if i'm going to live in my 50s and so i need to enjoy the time now and if that's true of me it's also true of everyone else and people need to kind of like basically make sure they're enjoying their life and not, it's not just this uh, rat race and it's not just this kind of box ticking exercise which a lot of people fall into and then one more this isn't mine it's my friends but i love it uh time or no youth and freedom multiply the power of money so if i give you five grand now that's like unbelievable money you can do whatever with you can go on a holiday to africa that sort of stuff and like it's absolutely class <laughs> if i give you five grand when you're 40 it's probably just going to disappear like that into your kid into your mortgage into whatever And so because you're young and free, that money is so much more powerful and valuable. And make the most of that fact whenever you do get a couple of grand or whatever, a couple of hundred quid in your 20s. Like it definitely comes uh, later on in your 20s and in your 30s. So just enjoy it and spend it basically in your early 20s. Don't be saving money in your early 20s. Don't be saving hundreds of of euro because you'll end up getting paid tens of thousands down the line and you'll wish you used those hundreds better. So just enjoy, enjoy each moment because time, yeah, you're right with the whole time issue. Like it's all, it's all the same. And I think just living the moment, just enjoying the present moment. I think that's, that's all we need to do. Just focus on living the present moment, just one small block at a time and do that over 50 years of time. And you look back having a great life. Well, I'm not 50. I don't know. I might be wrong on this, but seems like the right approach. Yeah, but um, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes exactly. sense. And I love what you mentioned there with productivity. So for like, I was always like that as well, you know, scheduling every single hour of my time. But then when I look back at it, I actually didn't achieve that much. Like I'm trying to achieve that much, but I actually don't achieve that much. And the technique that I found for me is um, just scheduling like, you know, my deep work and then like mis- miscellaneous tasks and then everything else, just do whatever you want. You can go read, you can go, go for a walk and whatever. So I think the I think what you mentioned with productivity yeah. is really, really cool as well. Yeah, it's just important. People get obsessed with it, and, and like life is life is for living, basically. Mm. And you know, you're obviously a very driven. Like you've been driven since since a young age, and you're always curious and passionate about other things. But I'm curious now, like, what are you passionate about now? What are you curious about to explore? What are you just currently excited about? Um, geez, so these days the answer <laughs> the answer is ridiculous right now. I was, I've been drinking out of this mug that has pictures of moose on it. I don't know where the mug's gone. But um, I've kind of literally just the last two days I've been drinking out of this mug. And uh, I've been like, I'd love to go and see more wildlife. So now I'm kind of looking at, can I get up to Norway and see uh, mooses and bears and all of the mad stuff that they have up there. Um, But really, to be honest, I have a good friend in in Australia who is... um, who's getting married in October. And I've been chatting to him a lot these days. And he lives nine hours outside Sydney. Like he literally lives in a, like a, a two horse town. Like there's about six buildings in the town. Mm. And I've been talking to him a lot and he just kind of has me really relaxed. Like he, because he grew up in that two horse town. It, it's impossible to get stressed there. Like it, everyone is just so down to earth and they all take care of their grandparents and it's all about the kids and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's just very slow and relaxed. And he always laughs at how we all get caught up in such bullshit like in our lives and all this made up stuff 
And so he kind of has me on that buzz. He's very like Crocodile Dundee, if anyone's seen that movie. Um, and he kind of just has me caught up on that kind of thing these days. So I've actually been really just enjoying COVID and and uh, and being in, in downtime and being very grateful for A, having an income, B, having something to do, because boredom's killing people. Uh, and C, obviously, none of my, none of my uh, close relatives being sick. So yeah, just kind of relaxing into that whole stuff, to be honest. That's the... That's uh, I'm trying to be more like him essentially and just relax a little bit more and that sort of thing. Um, and then another thing on the on the driven side, uh, I'm trying to find uh, or like I'm I'm trying to basically communicate to people something that I've I've learned. If you ever look at hedge fund people or private equity people, they make billions, like the most successful ones, and they still do it in their 70s, like 12 hours a day. Warren Buffett example. Why are they doing it? It's not for the money, obviously. They love doing it and they're competitive. They just mm-hmm. want to win. And I've learned that very much about myself with the, the tech sales stuff. Like I, I just really want to win. And it's such a nice thing to know that. And it just is the best thing in the world uh, when you kind of know what drives you and, and you, can, you can adapt into it. It's really good. Um, yeah, they're probably the main things I would say. I like how does it because I heard you talk about tech sales before and you you genuinely do love it and uh, like what is it about tech sales that's you know that you enjoy like what what do you actually have what do you actually have to do in the job uh it varies there's a lot of chaos and it definitely varies per company so some companies you'll have uh deals that would be like millions some like that's called like category one uh huge companies and uh, other companies you'll have deals that are tens to hundreds of thousands and then uh, other companies you'll have hundreds and, and small thousands so it kind of depends like if you're in category three you're going to be just doing loads of phone calls and all that sort of stuff all day category one is going to be very very slow and probably going out meeting clients all the time and that sort of stuff category two which is what i'm in doing like tens and hundreds of thousands um it's kind of like it there, there's you have like five calls maybe a day with customers uh you'd be learning a lot about different technologies and what's going on you'd be talking to a lot of partners and that sort of thing but uh, it's we're in a company with 300 people, maybe 60 salespeople, and it's just nicely competitive and who can uh, do the biggest deals and who can do the best for the customer and all this sort of stuff. And I just find it very, very interesting. It's, it's pretty cool. But in terms of what you do every day, it can be a little bit chaotic, so it's always hard to identify exactly what you're doing. You'll be doing learnings and trainings on the, on the product and on competitors, You'll be obviously talking to customers, trying to build a pipeline and, and entice new people to come in and talk to you and do a demo and try the product. Um, that that they're definitely the main the main activities. But for some reason, I just find it really addictive. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in, if you're in Ireland, if uh, to be honest, if you're anywhere in the world outside of finance and hedge funds and private equity, it probably is the job that would pay people the the highest in definitely in Ireland by a mile. Um, and in the rest of the world pretty much as well. So it ends up being like a fun thing that you do that actually pays really well. And would you say you should do that in a big company or a small company? Uh, personally, small. Uh, in big companies, they tend to cap the commission. So if you do a million dollar, like say the commission is 10%. If you do a million dollar deal in a small company, they'll pay you your 100 grand. Whereas if you do a million dollar deal in a big company, they might have commission capped at like 20 grand for that month or that quarter. And so you can end up making way more in small companies. In big companies, they're going to have a lot more processes around everything. Small companies, they won't. You can just take your credit card and take someone out to lunch and off you go. Um, so there's, there's little changes like that that are quite different. So for me, definitely small companies. But for other people, uh, big companies, big companies, you might have literally a script. as This is what you have to say. Small companies, you just go out and figure it out yourself and, and do what you need to do to get the deal done. And in the actual word tech sales, you know, I see you you need to, do you have to have like some sort of understanding of tech of, you know, um, I don't know, programming maybe, or like what are the skills required in that job? And I guess, and how do you actually get a job in tech sales? Uh, the skills required are, uh, it, it's communication. It's all communication. Nothing that technical, to be honest. Uh, I came in with no technical uh, skills and you learn a little bit of, like I, I can't code or anything. But you learn about coding and you learn basically, to be honest, how to talk about coding and how to understand what people mean when they're saying they're going to do the certain things. That's actually really easy. So you don't need to be that smart, to be honest. What you need to do is have um, a lot of 
communication skills. So listen to people. And I find uh, personally like a big kind of thing is listening to what's not being said as well as to what's being said, because that can be just as informative and reading between the lines and that sort of thing. Uh, And then communicating a really clear message and uh, tailoring a message really well. So rather than saying, uh, we're the best, Fivetron is data pipelines. We're the best data pipelines because uh, it's automated and it's really quick. That's just a generic thing that just people rattle off. That would be bad skill. Whereas a good skill would be, we're the best data pipelines because we'll bring Salesforce data, like you said, and we'll bring that exact table over in this exact manner. And like customizing the, the message for that person. There's an intelligence to that, a communication-based intelligence uh, that turns listening into uh, giving a really clear message. That's pretty much the only thing. So a lot of people who you think in college are like fecked in real life because they're really social, always having the crack and that sort of thing. They end up being extremely successful in, in tech sales because they've learned all these really good social and communication-based skills. And like, how do you, let's just say you do have good communication skills, let's just say you are a people person, how do you get into it? Like, if you have no college degree, or do you have to have a college degree? Or... Oh, God, no. Sure. I was in Google, and um, there was a guy on my team, I came from Macquarie Bank, which was like the most prestigious place to work in Australia. And there was a guy on my team doing better than me, and he came from mango picking. He, picked, he was picking mangoes on a farm up in northern Australia, and he's doing better than me in Google. Um, he was just a really good listener. That was his thing. I was doing more generic thing. I wasn't very good back then. And he, I learned so much from him. So you don't even need to go to college or anything like that. Um, if you're applying for a job that has to do with communication skills, it's very transparent in the interview as to whether or not you have those skills. And so it really is interview based. Like anyone can apply. And if you apply maybe in a creative way with a video or something like that, that will show your skills. That's what I would recommend, particularly for a small company. I think that's uh, I think that's pretty key. Like, people are looking for these skills, and you can't just write them on a CV. They, like, they're not. You can't see them there. So, do a video or do something. Re- write a really good email and show that you are a good crafter of a message. Yes, that's that, what I Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. a very good idea. Yeah, I know. I know you're short in time, so I'm just going to ask you some few rapid fire questions. And Let's yeah, do it. this part. So I guess, um, what is your most gifted or recommended book? So when it comes to books that you've gifted the most to other people, what what are they? Most gifted book by a mile is Shantaram by, uh, oh God, I'm actually going to forget his name. Not Neil, Neil Patrick Harris. He's Barney and Hannah, your mother. Uh, Neil Robert Smith. No, no, he's a soldier. Um, <laughs> the, Shantaram, S-H-A-N-T-A-R-A-M. Can't, I can't believe I forgot his name. He's, it's an incredible book and a great book to read when you're young and kind of figuring it out as well. Nothing to do with work life or anything like that, but it just shows you how big the world is. That, that's what it did for me. I haven't heard that one, so I'll definitely check it out and I'll read it myself. And I'll link all these in the show notes as well. Nice. Um, if you could place a message on a billboard, and this billboard is displayed to millions and billions of people. So anyone walking along the street looks up at the sky and they see this big massive billboard just chilling there in the sky saying hello uh what message would you put up on that billboard i'm gonna go with the ridiculous uh, because i mentioned crocodile d my favorite quote from crocodile d is when he says two people arguing over who owns uh, the land they're standing on is like two fleas arguing over who owns the dog they're sitting on like that will get and over the past five years, what is a habit, belief, or behavior that has changed your life the most or influenced your life the most in a positive way? Uh, stopping drinking is definitely a really good one. Not that I was like drinking too much or anything before, but there's a mindset to it that, that, that helps a lot. Um, and learning to relax, learning to just not sweat things. Uh, I, was, I, I thought that to be driven, you had to be psychotic. Not the case at all. And what is the best investment you ever made? Now, this investment might be money, it might be um, energy, it might be time, just the best investment you ever made. Uh, I invested a lot to just go, quit everything and go traveling. Like I gave up a lot of salary and I obviously spent a few, a couple of grand doing it as well. Um, and just went around South America on my own. I absolutely love that. That was absolutely class. On your so, own? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm big on traveling on your own. I think if you... Like traveling should take you out of your zone 
And if you take something from your zone with you, it limits how much out of it you can get. Whereas if you go completely on your own, you're untied to your, your normal life and it allows you to get out a lot more. Wow. I'm going to do that. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm huge on that. And yeah, I guess the last question is, what is your definition of chasing passion? Definition of chasing passion. What's your best answer on this so far? I can't say. <laughs> you can't say. <laughs> definition of chasing passion. Uh, bursting your cultural bubble and allowing yourself to want anything. There you go. I'll stick with that. Love it, Mark. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you so much for doing this. And where can people find you? If they, uh, they can find me and now the grad life team on uh we need to change this but it's underscore grad life underscore on instagram <laughs> i don't know if you type in grad life if it just comes up so i need to say that whole thing um and then m maxwell 92 on on uh, on both instagram and linkedin as well uh, where i'll be putting up some different things so yeah jump on all three there give us the ad and, and there'll be some good content coming your way great and is there any final comments any final closing remarks anything else you want to say uh, yeah, one thing. I think, um, sorry, maybe even two things, but they're very related. I was talking to a friend the other day who called me up really confused about career. And he's 28, 29. And he was like, I'm not on a path yet. And I, I'm embarrassed because I've jumped from A to B to C to B to D to A to whatever. And he's just kind of, uh, if you look at the CV, it's very scattered. And I explained to him, you are on a path. That's your path. And it just happens to have a zigzag at the start. And it will straighten up. And it will all make sense down the line. And I just know a lot of people are going through that at the moment. And that ties into the second thing I wanted to say, which is don't beat yourself up for not knowing what you want to do. Like it's, it's totally natural and normal. It's part of the process to not know what you want to do. And so that's one thing I really want people to take away. If you feel like you're not on a path because you're jumping all around the place, that's, that's, you are on the path. That just happens to be the shape of your path. Uh, you'll have other people who are really straight at the start. They might go into banking, boom, 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 all the way up. And then they zigzag towards the end when they're married and they go a bit wobbly. So absolutely best to get the zigzagging out of the way. It's much healthier that way. So don't beat yourself up if you don't know what you want to do. Um, jump on the Grad Life page. We might help you figure it out, but it's not a problem. It's part of the path. Mark, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie. That is chasingpassion.ie. If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcasts and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcasts in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcasts and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much. And have a great day.